We live in an information age, but we are notoriously bad at discerning the truth of the information. And there's always a twist depending on the source of the information. Hi, my name's Kurt Mercadante, and I'm a husband, father, speaker, trainer, and disruptive entrepreneur whose mission is to save the world by helping individuals fight for lives of freedom and fulfillment. And that's what this show is about. We're here to help you fight apathy and conformity in your life. We're here to interview and tell the stories of individuals around the world who are helping others live lives of freedom and fulfillment as well. This is the Freedom Club Podcast, and we're grateful you're here. And welcome to another episode of the Freedom Club Podcast. I am so very grateful, so very thankful you are here. And you are going to be very thankful and grateful that you tuned in today because we have an incredible guest who loves his alliteration, especially when it comes to the letter P. We'll get into that more today. But my guest today is Dr. Paul Jenkins, author of Pathological Positivity, which sold over 15,000 copies in the first year. He also hosts Live On Purpose Radio, which I've had the honor of being on. He grew up in Utah. He's still in Utah. You were the valedictorian of your high school. And it was during a missionary service for your church in Finland after what, your freshman year in college, that you Mm -hmm. discovered your passion for having powerfully meaningful conversations with real people. That started your love and career in psychology. Never look back. Today, you focus exclusively on positive psychology. You've written three books on the subject. You give keynotes. I know that you and I are both in the National Speakers Association. You have Live on Purpose Radio. You also see individual clients. Dr. Paul Jenkins, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm honored to be here with you, Kurt. This is exciting. So, as I mentioned, we only have one set question here on on the show. Uh-huh. And I always love, you know, there's always common themes that go throughout, but there's a strain of uniqueness in whatever everyone says to this question. And that is this, what does the word freedom mean to you? I love that question. And the first thing that it triggers for me is a phrase that I use often with my clients. Freedom is not free. Hmm. Now that, that doesn't define what freedom is. But there's a price attached to freedom, and it's not always the price that we think it is. One of my favorite and most inspiring, I, I, I was going to say mentors, I've never met the man. <laughs> he just passed away. Dr. Viktor Frankl. Oh, sure. Uh, you know immediately who I'm referring to. Um, an Austrian psychiatrist during World War II, also Jewish. Not a good mix to be in Europe in, during World War II and Jewish. Uh, his family was destroyed by the Nazis, captured, killed. He was sent to Auschwitz and several other concentration camps. Uh, survived the whole ordeal and then wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. In this book, Dr. Vrankel points out, he said that anything could be taken from a human being from an individual, except what he referred to as the last of human freedoms to choose your attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose your own way. And Kurt, that's pretty powerful doctrine coming out of Auschwitz. Sure. And as I think about what what Dr. Frankel said, to choose our attitude, 
I think is the ultimate freedom that we have. We don't always get to choose what happens to us. We always get to choose our position related to that circumstance. Position. I use the word position and attitude somewhat interchangeably. My son is in flight school right now to become a pilot. And you ask an aviator about attitude. Attitude is one of the most important instruments. The attitude indicator is the most important instrument in the cockpit. And, and attitude is the position of that plane relative to the ground or the horizon. And we confuse that sometimes to be, well, attitude is how you feel about something. No, attitude affects how you feel, but your attitude is your position relative to whatever is going on in your life. If we think of attitude as position, and, and we go with what Dr. Frankel shared, that the, the last of human freedoms is, is the power to choose your attitude, your position. And he could do that in a concentration camp, in a death camp, a Nazi death camp. Wow. Now, that, now we're talking about freedom, okay? Yeah. Freedom to choose primarily your attitude. You know, when you talk about position, I immediately thought of the little diagram you have in your book, uh, Portable Positivity. Mm -hmm. And you talk about that phrase, it is what it is. And by the way, I say that phrase all the time, almost as an aside, like, "Eh, it is what it is, right? It is what it is, right. But you use the example of the person getting shot in the foot. And if their position, you know, that that is what it is, is in the middle. But Uh getting shot in the foot, if you compare it to getting shot in the head, I feel pretty good about it. Which one you want to take? If you compare it to not getting shot at all, well, this is pretty horrible, right? It depends on what position of it is, it is what it is that you're on. Right. How do you, or we talked about it, you know, I'm a shorter guy and I, I had for years, you know, you'd go out to the bars in college and it's like you were down here and everyone was up there and it took me a while to realize and, and, and I got over it in some different ways, probably just because I just stopped caring, right? You, you, you get married and you're like, well, I don't have to compete with anyone now. I got my wife. Um, but you pointed out, you know, you have a picture in the book of you standing next to former NF, uh, NBA center, Mark Eaton, right. and you're six, two by any stretch of the imagination. If I saw you walk into the room, well, you're a tall guy, but compared yeah. to Mark, you're not. It's like, well, if a tree falls in the woods, did it really, did anyone really hear it or did it really fall? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, if I'm alone, am I tall or short? Well, you're only tall or short in comparison to others, Right. Right. There's, there's an old uh, physics notion about the observer effect and how observing something changes it. And it, it, it's sort of evident, obvious but unnoticed. I, I love that my job is to illuminate the obvious. There are obvious things that are completely unnoticed. And you're neither tall nor short until someone observes or evaluates your tallness or shortness, and that requires comparison with some standard. And, and that's obvious when I bring it to your attention, but it's unnoticed up until that point. You even started that comment, Kurt, by saying I'm a shorter. Shorter than what? Yeah, right. Yeah. Shorter yeah. than what? And you probably meant shorter than the average American right. male um, adult. 
right? You're taller than all your kids for a while. Yeah, <laughs> for a little bit, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's so interesting how, uh, I'm digressing a bit, things happen sometimes. You ever have things happen and they all happen at once and you're like, there, there has to be, there is a reason for this and a design for it happening. I have been, over the last two weeks, I think I mentioned you before we came on, kind of obsessed with, um, uh, I, I didn't say specifically what it was, but really yeah. getting into affirmations and visualizations and the concept of energy in the body mm-hmm. and around us. Well, I picked up a book that had to do with that. And totally, I had no idea specifics what was in that book. Mm-hmm. I picked up a biography of Einstein. I started reading both books and they both deal with quantum energy and the energy around us. I've become obsessed with it. I've started getting into it and and reading other books now. This is over the span of a week, like obsessive reading about um, Christianity, faith, and quantum mechanics written by a scientist who's a believer and getting into it. And yesterday... I was reading about the different theories when it comes to quantum mechanics, the many worlds theory, that there's a multiverse of things happening, mm-hmm. right? And then there's mm-hmm. the, the observer. And then you bring it up today. It's, ah. the, the, God is telling me something over the last week where this, it, it's amazing that you brought that up. It, it's, it's like, oh my gosh, we went to church on Sunday and he started bringing up some things that I had been reading about. And it's one of those things where these things happen every day. It's like, all right, uh-huh. you know. Coincidence? <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, Kurt, when you mentioned that, uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to read Solve for Happy by Mo Gadot. No, I haven't. It brings together all of those elements that you're talking about written by a civil engineer. And it's interesting, Kurt, as you bring this up with, I had an interview on my own podcast yesterday where uh, a man had written a book that almost point for point matches the principles that I write about in pathological positivity. And he's coming from a very different discipline. There, and then I read this book, uh, Solve for Happy, by a civil engineer, with the same principles <laughs> being eliminated. There are, I think, eternal, consistent truths that we tap into from whatever discipline we come from, you know, whatever our approach is, but the underlying themes and principles are very, very consistent. Hmm. I've, I've long been a junkie of personal development literature and self-help books, and that's the genre that I write in as well. And, and it's uncanny how consistent those principles are. I say it's uncanny. I mean, it makes sense too, because if it is indeed a principle uh, or a natural law, maybe is another way to look at that, then it's going to function in any context according to the laws that govern it. You know, you think of gravity, for example, you never get up in the morning and think, huh, I wonder if gravity's on today. (laughs) Right. It tends to be. And people can describe that phenomenon from different angles or perspectives, but it's that that underlying principle remains the same. And that's what that triggered for me as you shared. Yeah, that. That, no, that's, that's interesting. I, the word pathological, 
Uh-huh. Most most people over time have have think of it not in a positive term, but a, you're a pathological liar. You're a pathological gambler, or what you know. Well, in psychology, Kurt, it means disordered, disconnected from reality, crazy, mm. interesting. You put it before positivity. Mm-hmm. Why'd you choose that word for your title? <laughs> I did it on purpose, believe it or not. <laughs> It sounds a little crazy to people at first when I suggest that you can be positive no matter what. No matter what your circumstances, no matter what your what it is, is, you can choose a position of positivity. And that sounds a little crazy, but you mentioned another application of that word, and it means compulsively driven like pathological liars, for example. They just can't stop doing it. And this is a dogged commitment to a a process of thinking that allows you to remain positive no matter what. So I picked the word pathological, um, which gets me in trouble sometimes with my psychological colleagues. But honestly, Kurt, I kind of left the tribe years ago. Interesting. Of traditional pathology-based psychology. In, in favor of, let's take a look at the underlying principles that allow us to choose. Remember, you asked me about freedom, and I went to the concept of choice. Right. To choose our attitude, our position, regardless of the circumstances. It sounds a little crazy to some people. Yeah, and, and, and there's, it, it doesn't sound crazy to me. I didn't mean, yeah, it sounds crazy to me. You know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, going back to Norman Vincent Peale, right? The power of positive yeah. thinking and, and be positive. And, you know, people will say that almost as a throwaway line. Right. Be positive. And I read, I've read Viktor Frankl's book twice. And I read it once at a time when I was, uh, I had a PR and ad agency. I gave it up. I was, un, I was unfulfilled and I, I, had, I had trouble. And I would read these personal development books mm-hmm. and I'd nod my head and I'd say, yes, I'm going to be more positive. And then I wouldn't be more positive. What do you tell people? Here's how to apply it. It's not, you know, choose to be positive, but how do you actually do that and become pathological about it? Because you lie and you don't even know it. How do you condition yourself to become so positive that you don't even know you're doing it? You're just doing it naturally. It becomes a natural part of your, your thinking. Here's the thing. We will default to our programming. Now, when I say programming, I'm talking at a very base level in our brain. We are programmed, Kurt, you and I, to speak English. Hmm. Did we choose English? Or were we programmed to speak English by people who didn't even give us a choice? Our programming takes over. Now, I'm also fluent in Finnish. Probably you're not, so we won't yeah, go. With- I am not. Yeah. <laughs> we'll add subtitles. <laughs> but even when I'm speaking Finnish, my default, my programming is still English. And if I get stuck, I start thinking in English. Now, there's certain topics and things I can think in Finnish, but my programming is still English. Do you see what I'm talking about sure. here? Yeah. Now, is, well, let's t- use Finnish because most of your audience doesn't speak Finnish. I'm willing to bet. Yeah. (laughs) 
is that would be an interesting discovery if I found out they did. But and if they do, send them my way. I'd love to chat with them. <laughs> but is is speaking Finnish a choice? Yeah. Now, sometimes I say happiness is a choice. People get all offended and they want to fire me. <laughs> Why would I ever choose this? Well, until you see it as a choice, it's not. But just like Finnish or playing the guitar, it, it's a choice, right? Sure. And it is very obviously also a skill set that requires practice, instruction, coaching, repetition. Happiness is a choice. You will default to your programming. And if your programming is negative, or if your programming is unhappiness, or if your programming is a sense that the world sucks, that's where your brain's going to go. Now, can you choose a different path? Yes, you can. Just like you can choose finish or playing the guitar. So if you're programmed, you know, from zero to age seven, and I've seen things about, oh, that's the, that's the key programming part where your software is installed in you. Yeah or your program for the first 15 years, 20 years sure. to be a downer, mm-hmm. to be, to have a, a scarcity mindset, to do all these things. Right. Right. And you find yourself 30, 40, 50 years old mm-hmm. and you're like, all right, I'm going to choose to be happy, but I got to rewrite some of the programming. How do you do that? First you choose it because until you choose it, you can't practice it. Sure. It's just like uh, when I chose, I used the guitar because when I turned 50, I, I signed up for guitar lessons. I chose it. I purchased an instrument. I hired an instructor. I got some coaching. I put in some practice. This is the pattern. So you choose it and, and realize that the choice is essential but not sufficient. Once you choose it, then you put in a pattern of practice. Hire a coach. This is how I make my living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hire a coach, buy the instrument, purchase the books, get into the course. And you will see as you practice that you get better at it. And Kurt, I am a black belt in positivity. <laughs> okay, now we're yeah. switching metaphors here a little bit. But yeah, I, I know I have a dear friend who is a sixth degree black belt in Taekwondo. She is a master instructor in her sport. She didn't even start till she was 45. And now she, here in her late 70s, she's a six-degree black belt. And she told me, she says, Paul, when you're a white belt, do the white belt stuff. Start practicing. So I start people. First, I teach them my model. That's the one that's in the mini book that I sent mm-hmm. you, the portable positivity there's a model that is important to understand. And then we're going to practice things consistent with that model that bring up our skill level. And so when Mary Louise told me, hey, when you're a white belt, do the white belt stuff. When she was a white belt, she threw a thousand kicks a day. Huh. That's a lot of kicking. Yeah. And she was sore and she was feeling it and it didn't come naturally to her. And so here's an example of a white belt thing that will get you into a positive evaluation quicker than anything I know. 
It's called the gratitude power-up. And, and everybody's done gratitude lists before, right? You're probably familiar with this because oh, sure. as part of um, positive psychological training, often we'll focus on gratitude. Well, here's, here's what I would suggest. Try this for five days. This is a white belt thing, okay? You're going to feel it. You're going to be a little sore. We're going to practice, okay? 25 things. You make a list of 25 things every day for which you are sincerely grateful. And don't make it up. You have to actually be grateful for it to put it on your list. Don't repeat anything on tomorrow's list that was on today's list. Whole new list tomorrow. You with me so far? Yeah. Now, does that sound hard? Because the list used to be 100 a day. I, I start oh. with three, 25. Oh, my goodness. That, that, that will tire you out in a good way, though, right? After a good yeah. workout, you feel that pump. <laughs> hey, how about 100 a day? Yeah. So it's just, it seems like a lot if you compare it to less. Seems not too bad if you compare it to more. So just take, it, take on 25. Just try this. This is a white belt exercise, okay? 25 a day, new things every day. Now, here's what powers it up. Here's the power up part of that. Half, at least half of your list every day. That's 13 if you're doing the math. Has to be from your hard list. Hmm. Hard things. The other half, freebies. Anybody can be grateful for health and family and puppies and rainbows and indoor plumbing. <laughs> right, right, right. And you can put those on your list. Those are freebies. Anybody can be grateful for this stuff that's already awesome. The other half of your list, at least 13 every day, has to be about something that is hard, difficult, frustrating, annoying, kicking your butt. You pick something for, and have you got a hard list? Because if you uh, I, I, I do a lot of freebies. I, I need to get, I need to do this more often. I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take the challenge for the next 30 days and make this 25 list because I, I usually start with about three or four things that I list off a day and there, there ends up being a lot of freebies. So oh, yes. Well, freebies are easy. I know. Connect with that because your life is full of rich, abundant freebies, but you got a hard list too, right? I mean, do you have anything hard going on in your life? Kurt? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Now, and if anybody listening doesn't, we can arrange to get you something <laughs> hard. <laughs> but pro- I mean, life just happens. So connect with the hard stuff. Now, here's an example of what I mean. Cancer. All right. Now, statistically speaking, a third of our audience here today, the, you who are listening, are dealing with cancer right now either personally or someone that you know. This hit our family. A couple of years ago, my sister-in-law, stage four, pancreatic cancer. We, we buried her within four months of the diagnosis. Okay? Now, Sorry. what if it's cancer? Now, I use that as an example because I know some of you are dealing with this. I'm not saying be grateful for the cancer. I'm saying open it up. Peel it back, rummage around in there. You look inside of that thing until you find something in there for which you are sincerely grateful. And don't make it up. You have to be grateful for it to put it on your list. From that cancer, Kurt, I found 
a relationship with my niece, 20 years old, special needs. She got to live with us for two months while her mother passed. Mm. Now, am I grateful for the relationship? Yeah. Yeah. Am I grateful for the cancer? Now, that's harder, but that's where I found it. And you look into any hard thing on your list, I guarantee if you will open your eyes to this and your mind. Now, remember your default, your programming is going to say, no, this is all bad. No, it's not. It's a package deal. And when you peel into it, you will find relationships. You will find learning and wisdom. You will find, find a refinement of your own sense of values and priorities and purpose. These are just examples of what you might find in there. It's rich. It's abundant. Um, And we are, you know, by the way, in the show notes, we're going to, we're going to put your website in there when you, when you brought up, you know, the white belt and then kind of doing it on your own and making the choice and getting a coach. I was thinking of the first karate kid movie where uh, the Ralph Daniel is teaching himself out of a book and uh, Mr. Miyagi walks in. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm learning karate. He's like, out of a book? And he's doing, he's just kicking away, kicking away, right? And he gets his butt kicked by the black belts. He finally gets that coach to really reprogram him, not in a way of you're doing a thousand wild kicks, but to focus him on what matters. Next thing you know, right? He's the all-valley champion. And so, um, you know, I I, I appreciate you saying that. And um, so let's talk a little bit about the impact of being positive. Um, yeah. I have, uh, you know, there's the law of attraction and we, you know, go back to the quantum mechanics and the energy we give off and the energy. It's amazing how the, my attitude and my choice to be positive has an incredible impact. Even if I don't say a word on people around me. Yes. My family, um, even audiences, they can tell when I stand up that something's a little different. I've actually done Zoom calls with people who said something's different. Mm-hmm. And I know that day there is a different attitude. I made the choice. I did certain things, visualizations, repetition in the morning, doing all those things, cold showers. You know, I do a variety of things that I go through that there is just that energy I'm giving off and the energy I'm absorbing from them. Right. What's that all about? Well, you nailed it. It's energy. Energy is, is a physical, natural law. There's a lot of laws around energy. I'm not saying energy itself is, is a law, but there's a lot of laws that govern that, that get down to the very physics of how we think and communicate. Every thought is energy, and all energy has a frequency, a wavelength, if you will. If, here's an interesting example of that. If you take a tuning fork, in music they have these, these instruments that it's called a tuning fork, and you, you start it ringing, and it, it is tuned to a particular pitch. And then someone who's tuning a piano, for example, can use that tuning fork to get the right pitch and match the strings with that that pitch. Well, if you take that tuning fork, get it ringing, 
and you run it along the strings of a harp or of a piano if you take off the, uh, the pedal stop on it. You run it along the strings without touching them. When you get to the string that is the same frequency, it will start singing too. Because that energy is coming along in a certain frequency to which the string is already attuned. And so it actually activates the string. It's, it's a concept called sympathetic resonance. And, and it's very obvious in music or in physics. I believe that this happens psychologically as well. Because we, we operate at either a higher frequency of positivity which creates more energy or a lower frequency negativity for example which does not require or generate as much energy Hmm. and even newton's second law of thermodynamics entropy things will go toward a more disorganized state people wonder why is it so hard to maintain positivity well it's higher energy It requires more energy, but it also creates and radiates more energy. And you'll notice this. You already have, Kurt. You mentioned it. Yeah. That when you're operating at a higher frequency, you tend to resonate more with people who are at that same frequency. You'll attract them to you. And you know what you'll do with the others? You'll annoy them. Yeah. (laughs) Or repel, right? (laughs) People at a lower energy because they... You come in at this higher resonance and, and it's discordant with what they have. It's like, it's like two notes that are not quite in tune with each other and it just creates this discordance. And so people will resist it. And I get this all the time because I'm pathologically positive and people are annoyed by that if they're the, <laughs> they're the lower energy. But people who are already functioning at a higher energy love it and they're drawn to it and and people who want to go to a higher energy see that and they see that there's a possibility for me to attune myself to that higher energy and i and you know knowing that i i think makes you uh and anyone who does this for a living a better speaker um i think it helps people with sales you know when i give a talk i can tell the people who are not at the same frequency. They're rolling their eyes or they got their arms crossed. And, you know, when I first started speaking, I'd get the evaluation form and it was the ratings and whatever. And it was like the ratings of whatever. He's too touchy feely, you know, in my talking or whatever. It was like, I know who those were. But I tell people, you don't want a hundred percent positive evaluation, right? Or because maybe then you, unless you, you know, the odds of everyone being in the same frequency, but, you don't want your goal to be vanilla or be at a kind of a, a dull frequency where you think you, you're not going to repel anyone, right? And it's like marketing. It's like, it's sales. Getting into that frequency where you're going to help the people who are at that same frequency who need help. You want to help the other people, but there's just some people who are not going to be at the same frequency. You could do, try to do things right. to get them there, right? <laughs> well, and that's okay. I tell people in my keynotes all the time, I'm not here to tell you how to think. I do not have that kind of authority. (laughs) I just want you to see that you are thinking and that those thoughts have an impact on everything around you. And you mentioned we don't want everybody at the same level. Well, 
it's not even possible for mm-hmm. everybody to be at the same level. We have such variance in our population. Here's a thought that came to me as you shared that, Kurt. We have producers and we have consumers. They are very different animals. Now, we all have to consume because we're mortal human beings, have to eat. But I'm talking about a mindset here. I'm talking about a paradigm. A producer mindset operates at a much higher frequency than a consumer mindset. Um, One of the greatest examples of this that I ever read was um, Ayn Rand. Um, She wrote a book called Atlas Shrugged. Oh, yeah. And it's all about this producer versus a consumer mindset. We have to have consumers to have an economy. Right. But who's going to produce? And I have people sometimes resisting positivity, and I think, okay, that's fine. I need to find people who are going to resonate at a higher level to recruit into what a friend of mine used to call the producer revolution, hmm. where, where we recruit people who are willing to create and produce at a higher level. Now, the economic impact of that is wealth. That's where it comes from, creating more value for more people. So you don't have to be positive. We need people to consume too. Sure. Well, without the producers, we have nothing to consume. Right. Yeah, and there's some people who, who, who have had, maybe because their parents had it, a bad relationship with money. Right. And they have a negative view of money, which is maybe why they're consumers. Um, by the way, my favorite book of all time is The Fountainhead. You talk about somebody who, who was on a different wavelength. Uh, Howard Rourke was on a much different wavelength than, than most other people. And I use that as an example with some business owners about what is the purpose of your business? What's the impact you want to make on the world? And I asked them, who's your customer? Well, it's everyone. I said, no you don't want your customer to be everyone. And you just hinted to that fact. You're going to find those producers, you know, people who are receptive to come in and be part of that, you know, the, the producer, uh, what did you call it? The producer army or the producer, producer revolution? <laughs> revolution, yeah, yeah. No, I, I love that. I love that. Um, That's where I got my start on radio, Kurt. There was a show called The Producer Revolution Radio. And I was co-hosting that show with this friend of mine who had introduced me to the concept and to Ayn Rand as well. And uh, it, it, it's, it's a different mindset to, to produce rather than to, than to consume. See, a consumer will eat up or devour or consume more than they bring to the table. You've heard the phrase, you suck. <laughs> that's, uh, technically, that's the definition because you suck resources. Interesting. If I you, never knew that. Wow. If you consume more than you produce, you suck. And I don't mean that in a derisive way. I, I mean it in a very metaphysical way. However, there are those who create or produce or bring to the table more than they take away. Those are our producers. And it's because of our producers that we have clothes in the store or even on our backs. I did not create the clothing that I'm wearing. I didn't harvest the fibers. Producers made this available to me, and because they produced more than they needed, there's a surplus that I can now purchase. 
And you're right about money too. I mean, people think that money, there's a, there's a consumer paradox. It's a trap. It's a trap of thinking where they think money is evil. Right. And yet I want more of it. <laughs> yeah. What kind of thinking is that? We can, you can get me going on that, Kurt. Yeah, no, no, no. I it, 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 well, I have terms for that. I don't use the term producer and consumer. I use uh, abundance, and and for the other people, I'll use uh, well the type of people you're talking about. I call them scarcity pimps. Scarcity. Um, yep. You know, they're the people on you know social media or cable twenty four hour cable TV newsertainment. Mm-hmm. That it's us versus them. It's win lose. The pie doesn't get. It's not a. It's not a variable pie that gets bigger as abundance. Right. It's, hey, if Dr. Paul earns $5, that means I've lost $5 simply from him earning more. Zero sum game. Yeah. And do you see, have you seen over the last several decades with the growth of the, uh, the zombie culture, the bot culture, that eight hours, I know people who will sit there, they come home from work, they turn on, I won't say which channel it is, but they turn on their cable TV news, it doesn't matter which channel it is. They turn on that, eight hours of that. They get angry. Then they get on Facebook and they get so paralyzed and they're angry. And I read something about, um, you know, the amount of messages we get in a specific day is equal to the amount of like that the Neanderthal we get in two hours, right? And a lot of it is negative. I had a professor on, is a free market oriented professor. And he had given a speech, which is why I had him on, that the world is getting better. And I did a poll on social media. Is poverty increasing or decreasing? All these people, it's increasing. Is violence increasing or decreasing? Oh, it's increasing. Oh, is the environment getting better or worse? Oh, it's getting worse. In fact, in all of those areas of the past 50 years, we've seen bigger improvement than at any time in history. And when I point that out, people are like, right, but what about this sector? And it, the world is getting better Yet we are hit with so many messages on a daily basis that the resistance to the choice of positivity, I've, I've, I go on a, I've gone on a low information diet and I try to get people to go on that. It's amazing. I still know what goes on in the world without reading a newspaper, or without watching the TV news. It, it's like osmosis. Somewhere it comes into my head. Have you seen a rise in, in the impact of this on people when they come to you? Yes. We live in an information age, but we are notoriously bad at discerning the truth of the information that's being disseminated out there. And there's always a twist depending on the source of the information. I I saw a comedy routine on YouTube. Louis C.K., I think, is who did this. And the title was basically, everything's amazing and nobody's happy. I've seen that, yeah. (laughs) And I got such a kick out of that because here we are, you know, we're we're sitting on an airplane saying, oh, this is taking forever, you know, to taxi 20 minutes out under the runway when that same trip used to take three months. And and we don't realize the, the rich, abundant nature of our life the way it is right now, and, and media tends to have a very profound impact on our minds. So uh, I, I think part of what 
people like you and I are trying to accomplish here with this podcast and with the material that I'm putting out on YouTube and in my own podcast is to get people to think differently or at least to consider an option. Life is hard. Really? Is that true? Why am I concluding that? Because stuff happens, right? Well, welcome to earth. That's how we roll here. <laughs> so I can guarantee that today stuff is going to happen. Right? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and, and people are like, well, that's eventually that's going to kill me. Well, nobody gets out of this alive. <laughs> yeah, there's a 100% chance you're going to die, right? There is a predictable exit strategy. <laughs> and, and when we lose our fear of death, and that's a whole other conversation perhaps, but it, it all has to do with our paradigm. We've talked about consumer and producer. We've talked about scarcity and abundance. We, in my book, chapter eight is all about victim and agent. And those are two very distinct paradigms. And we've used different words to describe the different sides of that. These two determinant paradigms are what put us into a role where we can experience joy or where we can experience misery. And it's the same darn world that we're experiencing it in, which is interesting. I've, I've done a lot of work in psychology where I've done evaluations of people who've been through traumatic incidents. And it's so interesting to me that the same traumatic incident can have one person experiencing enlightenment and the other one experiencing misery complete despair. It's the same incident. Viktor Frankl, good example. Yeah. Yeah, and so it tells me it's not about the incident. It's about what we're doing with it in our mind. And until we connect to the power of our own mind and see the choice that we have, I say this all the time, until you see it as a choice, it's not. And you are doomed to repeat whatever you're programming is has already programmed you to do yeah and and it's funny that you bring up that that comedy routine because that 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 was exactly about positioning right if you compare it to a stagecoach it's mm -hmm. pretty darn good if you compare it to someone's flawless flight you saw on instagram mm -hmm. oh it's bad and the world is ending right and so upgraded to first class <laughs> right <laughs> right exactly exactly well Dr. Paul, we are going to link to all your links on where to find you. We're going to link to your social. We're going to link to your website. For those listening here right now, best place online, the one-stop shop where they can find you, hire you, get your stuff, consume your content, where should they go? The one-stop shop is the website, drpauljenkins.com, D-R-P-A-U-L, J-E-N-K-I-N-S, drpauljenkins.com. We're doing some revisions just this week as you and I are talking. I don't know when people are going to pick up the podcast because usually those are evergreen and that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, drpauljenkins.com will have links to everything that I'm offering. There's one thing. You mentioned the coaching. I'm a black belt in positivity. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that to say I've put in the kicks. All right. 
I have a coaching program online called the Positivity Power Up. You can go directly to it if you just hit positivitypowerup.com. It's also at drpauljenkins.com. You can link to it there. But I'm, I'm giving away a free copy of my book on the website. Uh, the coaching program is, it, it's like your white belt course. Let's jump in. Well, regardless of when anyone listens to it, we're going to push that out today on our social media channels, even if you're listening to this weeks or one year from now, because I think it's, it's that important for everyone to start reprogramming or programming right away. Dr. Paul, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, honored to be here. I'm so glad to be on your team, Kurt. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> 